Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We'll get to the Knicks coming up. They got a game tonight against Dallas. Let's not forget, they had a very exciting trade deadline today, acquiring Boyan Bogdanovich or bringing back Alec Burks, not even giving up all that much. But they do play basketball tonight against Dallas. We'll talk more Knicks coming up. Ian Begley will stop by, chat with him for a couple of minutes. But right now, it is 5 o'clock. Cinco de Fivo with Evan and Tiki on the fan. All right, Cinco de Fivo is brought to you by Helix Wireless, connecting everything everywhere. And by Wendy's. Try the new pretzel baconator today. Super Bowl theme all week. I'm going to give you my favorite prop bets, the five favorite ones to play along with that fan duel for the oh, Super Bowl. Nice. All, right. Right. All right. All right. Literally and by the way, 550 of them. Right, exactly. And I'm not going to go down the realm of, spoiler alert, what's Gatorade color? Yeah. Oh, what color will Taylor right. Swift wear? Just more game related, all right? Go ahead. Here we go. Yeah! Here we go! Number five. I have to admit, this is a favorite of mine that I've mentioned for other games, but simply, will there be overtime? At yes, plus 1120, only one Super Bowl in NFL history has gone overtime. That is my favorite bet. As you may recall, before Jets-Giants, we talked about this, and I made the bet. And so while simultaneously being excited that the Jets had that great comeback, I was freaking out over the fact, like, holy crap, I just hit. We have overtime. I think that's a really enjoyable bet to make because you're rooting for a close game. Right? Exactly. And so, for a lot of us who may not be fans of either team or you know don't have that much of a rooting interest, what's better than that? You're rooting yeah. for overtime. True. And imagine sitting there, a game-winning field goal is lined up and it misses, and you celebrate because you hit your overtime bet. Yeah. How fun is that? By the way, that Jet-Giant game, didn't we also predict that it would be a tie? <laughs> I don't know if we went far enough to say it'll actually happen, but we certainly openly talked yeah. about yeah. it. I remember at the broadcast thinking, this thing is going to be a damn tie. Be t- yeah. I'm still just getting and over still, my And he still wouldn't have mentioned our show, by the way. Number four. This is a fun one. To- well, they should all be dopey. I'm doing a list on it. Total individual touchdown scores. What do you oh. mean? Oh. So, let's say in this game, uh, McCaffrey, Ayuk, Kittle, you know, get the number of different touchdown scores. Over four and a half or under four and a half. Oh, I got you. So, a rushing touchdown, a catching touchdown. Yeah, no, 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 no. Just no. individual Individual players. players. So, like. Gotcha. McCaffrey, so the 49ers score four touchdowns. Are all four of them Chris McCaffrey, or is it four different players? So the first uh, thing you have to five. ask first thing you have to ask yourself is how much scoring do you think is going to be in the game? That's right. Definitely going under that. Okay. So then how many different guys? Because McCaffrey could be a pig or whatever. No, no, what? I think it's going to be a lot of I think it's going to be high scoring, high but scoring. I think the number of players is going to be small. Right. So what's the number on that? Four and a half. Under, four and under. a half. Where's the plus money? Plus money is on the over. You're not don't do that one. <laughs> it's minus one forty to go under. You know what's funny though, and I, I think a That's lot of people horrible. I think a lot of people feel this way about betting over unders. Who wants to sit there and not root for points? 
No, no, but you can. But then when you get in the red zone, go McCaffrey better score again. No, you again need the same the person other. to keep scoring. Yeah. I got you. I got you. So it's a fun one. Keep an eye on Number it. three. Any offensive lineman to score a touchdown in the game is currently plus 6,500. The fat man TD. Mm. The fat man TD. The only problem is how nervous are you going to be about what happened in Detroit-Dallas from the regular season? I know, but that's yeah. what makes it fun. Now, there's extremely long odds here, but you get in there, you think it's going to be McCaffrey, and then you get a little tackle-eligible play? No, they won't do that because they both these teams have three tight ends that they play with. So I'm so right about the fact that he's broadcasting by himself at home. Like You're yeah. so prepared for this game. I, uh, I know All what's right. going so on. So Tiki says loser bet. Don't do it. All right. Here Number two. The coin toss. It is currently minus 104 no. on both heads no, or tails. No, no, no. No, that's the stupidest prop bet in the history of prop no, bets. No, but it's no different than walking into a casino and going red or black, other than the fact that it's minus 104, but it's close enough to even odds. It's a coin toss. Who said, was that in the Met chat or was it in our chat? I the, sent the thing on the how tails. On, the, how the, on tails is one at almost 60% of the time. Since the NFL's changed the type of coin they flipped at the Super Bowl, tails has hit at a 60% pay rate. It never fails. Take yes. I mean. So you're actually going to bet that? I will, and here's the only thing. Not a lot. You don't bet a lot of money on it, but you know what? It's a good starter. If you hit, you feel good about the rest of the game. <laughs> true. you got to bet in before kickoff. Can you bet on who's going to get the ball first? Uh, I'd be more into that. I think you can, and then different right. stuff. Just, uh, by the way, a gazillion. Because you number. never know what you're gonna, right. what teams are going to do. Some and, could take it. Our and, offense and, is dominant. We're taking the football. And like Tiki said, there's 5,000 of these. Pick three you like. Pick right. two you like. Don't bet all five. That can't be number two. That should have been like number five. Uh, calm down. My list. Number one. one is not the national anthem. This one is my favorite one. I hope it's not the National okay. Anthem. Well, because it gets out of the way early. Okay, go ahead. National the, Anthem? <laughs> the jersey number of the first touchdown scorer of the game, the over-under is 19 and a half. Oh, they have an over-under. Oh, that's interesting. So, if you think Kelsey or you McCaffrey all, like, in or your Kittle. Mind, you're always saying over. Over, over, over But over. think about it. Well, 19 and a half is important. Debo Samuel, number 19. So if it's Debo or Pacheco at 10 or Mahomes rushing or in it, Rasheed Rice. Rice wearing four, it's under. Or Ayuk, yeah. Right. Over is, you know, some of the other big hitters, or McCaffrey, if Kelsey. A, or it's one of the quarterbacks. Right. I think it's a great bet. It's a fun bet. Huh. I think overtime is number one. That's my favorite. That's the, of all the bets you just mentioned, that's the only one right. I'm actually going to make. But the problem is you could always, this is why it's five, you could always do the overtime. These bets really only exist for the Super Bowl. All righty, so thank that's you, Sean. Five. Appreciate it. Cinco de Favo every day, 5 o'clock. Super Bowl now. How many days away? Today's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. <laughs> Three days away from the Super Bowl. And speaking of the Super Bowl, I've, I've thought about this, and I think I asked Tiki this off air a couple days ago because the thought has popped into my brain as we get set for Kansas City against San Francisco. And that is the fact that we've witnessed Andy Reid make kind of like a career renaissance. Like right. He's always been a great head coach, but I think that Andy Reid, up until 2019, was known as a really good coach that can't win the big one. Dare I say Marty Schottenheimer, you know, kind of on that of level. Course. He did have the one Super Bowl appearance back in 2004, but it was marred. It was marred by the lack of urgency the Eagles had late in that game. And a lot of that blame fell on Donovan McNabb, but some of that blame fell on Andy Reid. And I think for Eagle fans, when Andy left, when he was finally removed in 2012, he was looked upon, and I, I think I viewed him the same way, as a really good head coach that just doesn't win the big one. Yeah, what complicated things for Andy in Philadelphia was that he was everything. So he was the head coach, he was the offensive coordinator, he was effectively the GM as well. Right. Because I remember having this conversation with, uh, who was it? Uh, who was a running back? I'm forgetting his name. Deuce Staley? Yeah, Deuce. It was Deuce. He was his oh, coach. Pull that one out of my he, ass. It was, co it was coaching at this point. 
And I asked him about Andy, and he's like, yo, it was, just, it was hard sometimes because he's my boy. Right. But then when it comes time to negotiate a contract, he's telling me how bad I am. Yeah, that's rough. <laughs> and so it just it gets dicey when you're both. And so when he left, Eagles fans cheered. Because they were just tired of him getting there and not winning. No, I get And look, I mean, you look at his playoff record in Philadelphia. Right. It was very, very mediocre. And then he goes to Kansas City. And let's be honest, while the Chiefs became consistent winners, what they do every year? They lost every year. Yep. In Andy Reid's first six, post seven postseason games that he coached, the Kansas City Chiefs were two and five. So, okay, same thing. But think thing. about it. He was there seven times. Yeah, yeah. And this no. is like eight years, right? Right. And that's right. Seven playoff appearances in his first eight years. They're two and five. And you're like, okay, well, same old, same old. Mm-hmm. Andy Reid can win, but he can't win the big one. Very Tom Thibodeau-like, by the yeah. way. And then something happened. Now, we know what that something is. It's right. Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> but since 2019, which is actually Pat's second year in the postseason, because remember in 2018, they lost the AFC Championship game to New England. But since 2019... 13 and 2. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. In the postseason. Wow. Andy Reid, 13-2. and two, The guy who was sub-500 in the postseason with Philadelphia and early on in Kansas City. And they win a Super Bowl. Then they get to another Super Bowl. Then they win another Super Bowl. And here they are with a chance to win their third Super Bowl in how many years is it now? Five years. Five years. And all of a sudden, when we talk about Andy Reid, we went from he's just a big loser to is this guy one of the greatest head coaches in the history of football? Yeah, and, he has, and if he keeps coaching, if he gets back-to-back, and I think the only way, because we had this conversation before, uh, maybe it was last week, how does he pass Bill Belichick? Or, or is it possible for him to pass Bill Belichick? And I think the number of Super Bowls is just too high, mm-hmm. right? He can't. He's not going to be around long enough to get four more Super Bowls, I don't think, coaching. Because right. he's had a, I mean, he's he's getting older, and who wants to do this for that long? I think he's going to want to do it because he can but, win more. But, <laughs> but I think the way that he can create the conversation with him, and Bill Belichick is the best coach of all time, is if he goes back to back to back. Yeah. Like, if he does a three-peat, which has not been done in the NFL, then then obviously you have to start changing your your narrative about them. He, you know what I mean? So he, that's the only way I can see him doing it. Now, before you get to Bill, who's the GOAT in my opinion, you got to jump people. Like, you got to move up that list. So all mm-hmm. of a sudden you say, well, where is he in Super Bowl wins? We know Bill's won six. Andy Reid's at two. If he wins a third, he would be tied for third place with Bill Walsh and Joe Gibbs, two of the most well-respected, brilliant coaching minds of all time. 
If he adds another one after that, he'll tie Chuck Knoll for second on the all-time mm-hmm. list. So Andy Reid, and this is why whenever I hear these rumors about Andy Reid may retire. Andy Reid is a football lifer. He's coached forever. He's old, but he's not that old. No, he doesn't project it either. Like, he moves around real slow. Right? But he's, he's always got, moving he's around got, I know. He's got the, that's what I was going to say. He's yeah. got the walrus beard. He's like, oh, this is a grind. But I kind of... He he has to be having fun doing this. Not only does and he it, have to have fun, he can see what I can see, and I think most of us can see. If he tacks on a few more, mm-hmm. he's damn well in that conversation. And you have the quarterback. And I guess the one thing about it, because, I mean, you, you got to the quarterback spot. Like, they were good in postseason, at least getting to the postseason, and then they get Pat Mahomes. Brett Veach and Andy Reid found a guy they loved. So this is the lesson to general managers as they go out and they scout quarterbacks and they go look at, oh, I love that guy. I love that. Like, it's one thing to, oh, I really like that player. But if you're not in your mind saying, I I can't, like, go to work unless I have that player, don't draft him high. Mm. Right? I know that Joe Shane, this is, this, is, this is to Joe Shane. He's been everywhere. Like, he's been to Caleb Williams multiple times. I'm sure he's seen Drake May. I'm sure he's seen uh, Jaden Daniels, all these guys. I'm sure he's... He has his opinion, but if in his like heart he's not saying I can't operate or live or breathe without that guy, don't take him. Yeah, because if that's what Brett Veach felt about Pat Mahomes, because he scouted him to the ends of the earth, and then when he became available, they jumped on it, and it's it's changed the franchise, it's changed football. Oh my god! You. I mean, the Kansas because City it, Chiefs have changed everything because it was it was a perfect fit. It was a winning culture, win, winning organization already <laughs> ready, and then you put Pat Mahomes in it. Yeah, I mean, forget it. That's why I think Andy Reid coaches for a long time. Like, right. I, I don't buy he would retire. I mean, if he does, like, God bless him. If he wants to walk away from football, no, no, it will. But I tend to agree with you. You can see the pathway to going from a Hall of Fame coach to maybe the best of all time, and also. He ain't that far and off. Also, you got to believe that his relationship with Pat is like, like it's tight as can be. Yeah, they do those Nuggies commercials right. together. And if he left and just said, "All right, Pat, I'm retiring," now Pat's learning something else. Right, right. It's a different coach with a different offensive philosophy. I mean, maybe they bring Eric Bieniemy back. I don't know. To be determined. He's on the street right now because Washington let him go. But it it kind of undercuts a little bit Pat Mahomes' ability to chase. You know the record, or Tom Brady, or whatever whatever legacy he has. I mean, his legacy's kind of set already in a way. Already feels like he's a Hall of Famer. All he's got to do is not be out of the league next year. Who's about Pat or Andy? Pat Mahomes. Oh yeah. yeah. So it's like as long as he keeps playing and yeah. high, he, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. So the only thing for him to chase and play for is not just to be out here making money. He's got that. Yeah. It's championships. Yeah, I find. And so the- I think Andy Reid leaving him would undercut that. No, I get you. And it would answer a big question, like who replaces him and what does that look like? I find the discussion, legacy discussions are always interesting, but sometimes they're frustrating because you talk about it very early in a guy's career. So much that can happen. Uh Uh-oh. We got a a Woj bomb and an update on OG. Go ahead. Oh, jeez. New York Knicks forward OG Ananobi had surgery to remove a loose bone fragment in his right elbow. He will miss a minimum of three weeks, according to Woj. Procedure is considered minor, and he's expected to resume basketball activity in those three weeks. Now, Mm -hmm. Tiki basically laid this out yesterday. So to to credit to you that when we were, because they diagnosed OG's injury a little bit differently yesterday Mm -hmm. on the injury report. Yep. And you immediately was Tiki MD, and you said there's a procedure. 
it's a couple of weeks. It's not something that would knock him out for the entire season. No. So further of that, like, what, what, so what the hell's going to happen now? So, He's going to have a so, medical procedure? So what a, does it mean? A bone spur is, is when your, your body is trying to protect itself from repeated trauma. And so part of your bone just kind of extends. It's your body's way of, of protecting itself. But those, those bone spurs are really, like, thin. And if they clip off, they end up floating around in your joint. And they're clicking the cartilage. They're ticking your tendons. They just become irritable. Like anytime you have a foreign body in your in your or you know whatever I'm, I'm using the wrong word a foreign substance in your body, mm-hmm. your your body's going to react to it. Right. That's what swelling is. Right. When you get something in your body, like you get a you get a a splinter in your in your finger, it's going to swell because your body is sending antibodies to fight it and, it and it swells. So, so when that happens on a joint like an elbow, because there's a bone spur floating around in there, it just gets stiff, it gets irritable. There's ways to mitigate it. You can take, you know, anti-inflammatory drugs, naproxen, indocin, all these type of things that'll help bring down the swelling. You can do compression sleeves. You can ice it. You can stim it. But eventually, you got to fix it. And so this is what it, this. It just came to a head. The the floating body was becoming so irrit- irritating to his to his uh, his elbow that he couldn't control the swelling anymore, so he had to do a procedure. Yeah. And it's quick. All you got to do is it's literally just in, out, grab it. It's probably not even a cut. It's likely arthroscopic, so it's through two little holes. You go and you find it. You suck it out through a tube. You heal it up. You sew it back up, and now you just got to rest and recover. Yeah, so the timetable Woj lays out is three weeks before resuming basketball activities. Mm-hmm. Then you tack on another, and you want to be smart about it. You don't want to rush them back, like – the Knicks are a playoff team. Right. Obviously, you want to get the highest seed possible, and I've laid out the date of March 15th where it's kind of important to get guys back because, A, you want to get them ready for the postseason, and also the schedule stiffens. But more than even the schedule stiffening, to me it was more about I'd want a guy back for a month. Yeah. That's That, to me, would get them fully ready for the playoffs. That timetable fits March 15th. Right, exactly what you said. It fits that timetable because if he's out for three weeks and he resumes basketball activities, let's say on leap day of February 29th, that gives him two weeks after that mm-hmm. to come back for that period of time. So, look, here's the good news if you're a Nick fan. You got clarity. Like, we have sat around now for a week and a half speculating on what this could be. How serious is this? How much time is he going to miss? Is he day-to-day? Does he play tomorrow? Does he miss a month? Does he miss the season? Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski just gave us the actual information. The mm-hmm. information that the Knicks, rightfully so, did not want us to know before the trade deadline which I laid out to you a week ago, more so about Julius than even OG, Yeah, which was why tell my rivals my injury situation? Yeah. Yeah. Why let the Pistons and Troy Weaver, I think is their GM's name, why let him know, yeah, you know what? They really do need Boyan Bogdanovich. Right. He's desperate. Yeah. Maybe, I'm going to ask for a one. Right. Maybe we'll get the first round pick that we asked for last year. Right. And, and, didn't, <laughs> and didn't accept. Right. So I, I, the Knicks are smart for not letting this out of the bag, but now we have clarity. And that clarity is... I think you're looking at three weeks plus – you're looking at six weeks. Yeah. You're looking the, at the middle of March, maybe late March. And the good thing is that it's an elbow, and he can he's not going to lose his cardiovascular shape. He can do whatever. Right. Ride, ride a stationary bike, recumbent, whatever, run. He can do all of those things. And I think when you look at OG's career in the NBA, and I can't cite every injury he's ever had, but he has not played, for the most part, full seasons. He misses time. No, maybe not the entire season. He's not Ben Simmons by any stretch. But if you look at his history, he's going he's to miss 10, 15 games. And that's okay. What really matters is when is he playing those games. And we got a little preview of OG. It's only 14 games that he played here. It's a, it's a small amount of time. 
But while he was here, we got to see him hit that corner three better than anybody. We got to see him not just defend at a high level, but really change the entire complexion of the team defensively. Um, So OG's a valuable piece. So I I look at that breaking news that you just gave us as, I want to say it's good news, but it's not catastrophic. You get closure to it. Now you just know the deal with this guy. Yeah, you get that's, that's it. Stretch run playoffs, you're fine. That's what's most important. And it's easier to digest on the day that they got Burks and Bogey. Much easier to digest. Maybe that was part of the plan, too? Yeah. It was obviously oh, part of the plan. Oh, definitely was. We totally. got to keep the Knicks fan kind of calm. 100%. This Spe- is all a plan. Speaking of the Knicks, more on this update and more on the Knicks trades today. Ian Begley does a great job with SNY. He's at the Garden. Knicks play the Mavericks tonight. We'll talk to him in just a few minutes. But I know this man has a strong opinion on A-Rod Day, and that, of course, is Ozzie and Woodridge. Ozzie, how are you? What up, Ozzie? Yo, what's up, guys? How you doing, bro? Good, man. Amazing. All right, let's be honest. Speaking of big, irritating, floating bodies, (laughs) Big Bad Morash (laughs) wasted his big show decision as a weak troll job on Met fans. Oh, come on. And he's calling Tommy Backwards Hat Guy, (laughs) and he's calling Evan Furry Face. Meanwhile, he's sitting there with his fat bottom goatee thing with two white things dripping down the corner of his mouth. <laughs> I won't say what they look like because oh, as Evan said, there's kids in the car, but let's just say he looks like a sloppy walrus with us. <laughs> and he's out here trying to troll us with some meaningless roid rat day. Come on, man. You could do better than that. Wow. Whoa, Ozzy. I'm not trying you to troll Mets fans. No, I'm not trying to troll Mets fans. I am trying to wake up the organization I love the Yankees and let them know you're asleep at the wheel. So we're going to do it for you. We're retiring his number. See, Ozzy, you have to look at this another way, and I appreciate the call, man. A-Rod brings out the best and worst of Yankee fans on each other. Now, it's pretty much what Tiki loves, which is chaos. Because there are a lot of Yankee fans that are going to say, and they, they did it when Sean first made this announcement about an hour ago. If you're just tuning in, Sean's big show decision is that a week from Friday, we're having A-Rod Day at WFAN. We'll yeah. replay that promo in a little bit because that was very well done. It was dope. I mean, <laughs> who did that? Zach? Uh, Zach Martin took care of it. Zach. Wow. How much do you have to pay Zach Martin for that one? I know. Uh, I mean, I may not talk to him again because he came in here very upset that we weren't ready to congratulate him. So, Well, it's a great – I mean, I'll congratulate no, him now. It was a great, great, great I know. promo. I know. He was in the middle of the trade deadline. He didn't understand we were doing stuff. Oh, God. What does he expect us to do? I know. I, it's Zach Martin. It's very behind the scenes. But, Zach, we love you if you listen. You know what? He's getting radio and TV love right now. For – for Zach Martin, Much respect, Zach. for Zach who works here, and for anyone new who just sat down in the car, do you have the promo ready? Let's play one more time. Ladies and gentlemen, the promo for Sean's big no, show no, no, announcement. No, 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 no. Let me set it up. It's oh, my yeah. day. I'm yeah. sorry. Go ahead. You're right. You're right. Ladies and gentlemen, for anybody that's gotten in the car, my big show announcement, well, hear it here. In a world where conflict is everywhere. We're tired and resisting the urge to tell Elmo that I'm kind of sad. A world that seems more divided than ever. 5% of men admit to only washing their towels once a year. There's one thing that can bring us together that we all agree on. Sean Morash presents A-Rod Day. An A-Bomb from A-Rod. A celebration of one of the greatest Yankee players of all time. 
a champion, a leader, a friend to all, Alex Rodriguez. On Friday, February 16th on the Evan and Tiki Show, we will honor the life and career of Alex Rodriguez with highlights, memories, and interviews. And we will finally retire his number 13. One man can unify a nation. February 16th is A-Rod Day on The Fan. (laughs) That's right. Throw him up. Throw him up. In honor of the 20-year anniversary of the Yankees trading for A-Rod. Wow. That's a very good promo. I got to hand it to you. And it's one day after. Yeah. By the way, we're all going to be here Friday, right? Yeah. Okay, just yeah, we're all going to be. We're yeah, taking these off now. Unfortunately, it's yes. the week after the Super Bowl. You never know. I didn't check in with you guys when declaring this would be the day we did a rod. Just make sure we're all going to be here. By the way, don't take off unless we have wifey issues or we have other ways to make more money. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to like working with me. All right. By the way, I looked it up. It's actually the exact date. I think of the press conference. Like I think it's the exact day. Great. That the A-Rod trade was made 20 years ago. So, yes, great promo by Zach Martin. I think it puts a lot of pressure on me, Lugie, Sean, and Tiki mm-hmm. that the show lives up to the promo. <laughs> I know. Because <laughs> that was a very, very good promo, I must say. I better get on this soon. But what I was saying earlier is that I think that chaos amongst Yankee fans may ensue. Because there are a lot of Yankee fans that adore A-Rod. And a lot of Yankee fans well, that well, And you identified A-Rod. this earlier. If you're over a certain age, you have memories of the, the old classic all the very compromised Yankees that we just didn't know about their nonsense. Right. Right. And and the new Yankees, who, in this case, A-Rod, who was a, a, a diva, used steroids. Wow, look at you coming clean with this. <laughs> <laughs> just, I'm just saying that that's the perception of him. So, but he won. Yeah. And he was exciting as hell. No, I, I, I definitely think I, there is an age breakdown on the way people view him. Doug is in Connecticut. What's going on, Doug? Good afternoon, men. Great show as always. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. I'm, I'm not a fan of A-Rod's, never have been, but um, you know, I'm a fan of the show, so I will definitely tune in next week. <laughs> definitely, you better. And, and, and I, I think Sean, hopefully Sean and Tommy can get some good guests lined up for the, uh, the show. Tommy. And my, Tommy. First su- my first suggestion would be the person who gave A-Rod his biggest strike strikeout. That would be J-Lo. <laughs> And, and J Lo and J Lo could tell us that Ben Affleck definitely has the better bat. Oh, <laughs> that's a very good idea, Doug. Uh, hey, uh, that's, Lugie, a, that's a serious low bro, Doug. Can you book J Lo for a rod day? Is by the way, is that approved, uh, Sean? Would you be okay with that? J Lo, sure. <laughs> I would take Kate Hudson and Madonna too. So, so any anybody that hooked up with a rod would be fine. Be okay. But that's yeah. half the tri-state area. We just have some rando come on. <laughs> oh, by, by the way, Luke, Luke used to do Wag Wednesday. He can get A-Rod. That's there. true. Set up. You know who would be a good... my eyeballs out then. Do that again, but okay. You know who would be a very good spot? I don't know if you guys remember this, but now it's going through my head, all of A-Rod's controversies. In the 2000... I don't remember which postseason. Alex Rodriguez was accused mm-hmm. of handing baseballs to, to oh, women I remember this. with his right. numbers on the baseball. Okay. Can we get those women on? Just the women that got the baseball. Do you know who they were? <laughs> no, but I'm doing it. Here's what I'm doing. It's a call for action. Yeah. If, if we're in New York City, I'm sure there's a friend of a friend of a friend who's clearly heard the story right. about Susie. So if you are one of those women. Yeah, or you know the woman, and I think there were two of them, that were basically propositioned by Alex Rodriguez. Uh, is that okay? Can we pop them on? I would imagine they're fans of his work. Sure. I'm sure. Let's see if they'll come on. 
Because that's kind of badass that Alex fair. Rodriguez was sitting there saying, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put my number on a baseball, and I'm going to hand it to some girls in the stands. I would rather hear from them than Melky Cabrera, to be honest. <laughs> Dude, be real. That's gangster. That is. Of course real. it is. I mean, that is a power play right no, there. No, it absolutely <laughs> is. I forgot where we are. Do we have to take a break before we talk to Ian Bagley? Or no, we talk we're to good. Right Just vamp. I'm going to call him now. Okay, good. Ian Bagley's about to join us from the guard. The Knicks are taking on the Dallas Mavericks tonight. And I know that's an afterthought. By the way, speaking of which, as an NBA fan, I've always believed that they should not play on NBA trade deadline day. That there should not be any games. Because remember... Oh, because guys are moving. Guys are unavailable. Yeah. Now, in the Knicks case, does it affect them that much? Not really, because the guys they're trading never played. Evan Fournier was in mothballs. Um, So what would happen if that... You're just short guys. Look at the Nets tonight. if you traded a guy... Look at the Nets. The Nets don't have Royce O'Neal, Spencer Dinwiddie, or the guys they acquired in Dennis Dennis Schroeder. So they're just short guys tonight. So, But I'll further this by saying that... That's a good point. I never thought about it that way. Not only should they not play tonight, but the deadline should be a primetime event. So, like, for our next guest, Ian Begley, he would be on TV all night tonight. Everybody would be watching him. Mm -hmm. And then, like, 10 o'clock would be the deadline. So you got to push it back. Yeah. Ian Begley of SNY hosts a digital show called The Putback. Ian, how great is that idea, by the way? Do you love it? I do. Yeah. All night. Add more hours. <laughs> not, not stressful enough. Right. Let's work work longer. More hours. Yeah, let's do it. Why not? My wife, my wife will be thrilled. Right. <laughs> Ian likes the idea as right. much as I like A-Rod Day, apparently. Because you, know you know what your wife's going to say. Are they paying you more for this? And the answer would be no. And she'd be like, well, why the hell are you doing it then? Oh, Tiki. You have a bug in my household, man, because I, I do hear that. No, I just have the same one in mind of same conversations in mind. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> right, before we get to these injury updates, let's start with this trade today. Um, Quentin Grimes, Evan Fournier, the alphabet, two second-round picks that nobody gives a rat's patoot about. <laughs> they bring back Boyan Bogdanovich, once a net, always a net, and Alec Burks, once a nick, always a nick. I thought this was very, very smart. It makes them better today. It sets them up for the future as well. Give me your thoughts on this trade the Knicks made today. Yeah, you know what? They came into the deadline, into the week, really, with the goal of getting Alec Burks or a player who could help them off the bench. I think there was you know, uncertainty around Bogdanovich, whether he'd be available, whether he wouldn't. Some people with Detroit wanted him to stay. They wanted to try to con- to win games. I shouldn't say continue to win games, to win games. But others wanted to move off of him and get something back for him. So once it got into this week, I think the Knicks had a, a better sense that Bogdanovich could be available. They were aggressive on that because that was, you know, one of their reaches to get both of these guys. So once he became available, they were aggressive. Philly was right there, too. Mm. Uh, Philly took Detroit, and they – Detroit wanted to buy his Harris back. I don't know if that was the ultimate holdup, but mm. that's kind of where it stood. But the Knicks got in there, especially after Philadelphia used some of its uh, excuse me, some of its assets to go out and get Buddy Hill. It seemed like the Knicks had a clear path to Burks and ultimately Bogdanovich. Yeah. Does it also feel like this was a, a a move some dead weight, right? Because Fournier was never playing. I guess Malachi Flynn got six or seven minutes at the end of games, but. They moved off of some players that really weren't ever going to get a chance here. Right, and including Quentin Grimes because of you know where he was in the rotation. Yeah. So there was, there was uh, I think, some pessimism that they would be able to get a deal done that included Fournier and Grimes and draft compensation to get a player back. Because I think you know, that one player, uh, whether it was Bruce Brown, Jordan Clarkson, was a difficult needle to thread. 
but obviously Bogdanovich becoming available allowed them to do that. And that was, you know, I think one of their goals, I don't want to say they wanted to trade Evan Fournier because they wanted to take care of him, but I do think there was a sentiment in there that like, hey, let's try to find some place for Evan um, because of everything that had happened in yeah. New York, you know, he'd been a bench for basically a year and a half. Mm. So I think they were uh, they were happy to do that. And then you look at the picks they gave up. Evan, you mentioned the second rounders. There was not a first rounder in this deal. There was not a first rounder in the OG and an OB deal. Mm. So I was talking to somebody from a Western Conference team, and he said, "Hey, they still have all these first yeah, round right. picks going into this off season." Well, so he he kind of tipped his cap to the Knicks. The the part of the deal because I think there were two parts on why I liked it. I mean, I hated because I don't like the Knicks, and I admitted that to Knicks fans that this is a sad day for me because it's a good day for them <laughs> that they improved themselves with the additions they made, giving up Deadwood. And I almost think they enhanced themselves during the offseason because Boyan Bogdanovich has a friendly contract with another year on it with not a lot of it guaranteed, and they didn't touch any of their first-round picks. It feels like they're as equipped to trade for that star, quote-unquote, that may mysteriously become available than they were before, along with getting better now. Yeah, it's an interesting way to look at it because certainly, you know, Bogdanovich's deal next year is – I would assume, I shouldn't say certainly, has more trade value than Evan Fournier's uh, expiring deal, which they would have to pick the option up for, but now they have a deal uh, into next season that they could use, and they still have those picks. Obviously, Quinn Grimes would have been valuable in any trade package this offseason, so you lose that. But I think substituting Grimes and and, and keeping those first-round picks makes a lot of sense. Do you think did, – did you get the sense that they were close to any other deal, whether it was Brogdon, whether it was Clarkson, you mentioned Bruce Brown? Were they ever close to making something alternately to what they actually did? I never got the sense they were close. Brogdon, I don't even know. I don't even think he was seriously on the radar. I know people reported that. I didn't hear that. But, um, yeah, they were in touch with Toronto on Bruce Brown, I think – Draft compensation was a hang-up. Clarkson, I was told throughout Utah, just the price was was very high. They valued Clarkson a lot, so uh, obviously no one was gonna, no one reached it by the deadline. And then you know you look at other players. I think they touched base with Golden State on Andrew Wiggins, but obviously there was nothing there. It, amid the uncertainty with Detroit, I think they also checked in on Shake Milton. Um, but obviously, once things opened up with the Pistons, they went out and they got the guys they were hoping to. You know, when you look at the East, it feels vulnerable. We know that the Celtics have the best record in the East at 39 wins right now. But it, every team feels flawed and vulnerable. Is this Knicks team win now? Is that their mentality? Or is it we're still kind of building? Or is it a little bit of both? Yeah, I think it's both, Evan, uh, if I had to guess. I mean talking to somebody over there today and they said like look there's a you know a confidence in this team and that person cited that win in philadelphia where they beat a healthy sixers team by 30 and then since then you know they've had several good wins excuse me they have players with a, a pedigree of winning on the roster it seems like they just have a belief that they can compete night in night out no matter who's on the court and that's that's kind of more than half the battle in putting together a winning team so i, I think that there's there's a confidence they, they can, can compete. I don't think anybody's 
you know, uh, reserving hotel. Well, I guess you can't reserve hotel <laughs> rooms. Scratching off the weeks uh, right. in the finals yet, but I think there's a confidence that they can compete with teams in the East and the Milwaukee's and Milwaukee in particular because they struggled against them early in the year. But now OG and an OB comes back fully healthy, which I think we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. They think they can compete there with Milwaukee. Yeah. Now, we'll get to some of these buyout candidates coming up. We are talking to Ian Begley, SNY. Knicks make the moves that they made at the trade deadline and even prior to that with OG Ananobi. Speaking of OG, the timing of this announcement that he had surgery today and will be reevaluated in three weeks feels as if the Knicks knew this and kept it quiet until the deadline passed, which I don't have any issue with. It's smart. Is that what the Knicks did? It seems like it to me. I mean, we kept hearing from Tom Thibodeau uh, day to day, day to day. Uh, we didn't get any details from Tibbs. He kept saying, like, hey, I just rely on the medical staff. So he wasn't <laughs> giving us anything. And it was left up to us to kind of guess. And I you know, I heard that Ananobi had, had felt a little bit better late last week. But obviously this thing continued to linger. And they decided to do the surgery today. But, Evan, I do think that teams – we're under the impression, to, at least earlier today, maybe earlier than that, that the Ananobi situation was more significant than the Knicks had uh, had were letting on, right? And so they uh, they knew that something was there, and they knew that the Knicks were operating as if uh, Ananobi's injury was more serious. So it started to spread around a little bit, but obviously they did a good job keeping it under wraps over the last week or two. Yeah, and now that the trade deadline has, has come and gone and – the roster is what it is, and again, the buyout, we'll talk about it here in a second, but health is the most important thing as I look at this. We know the Ananobi update. We don't know Julius's update, um, and we don't know Mitchell Robinson. We've heard some things, but what can you tell us about Mitch, his you know reintegration back into working out, and when can we expect him? Yeah, it's interesting. Tom Thibodeau did say the other day that Mitch could be back on the court doing on-court stuff after the all-star break and you know he's missed a lot of time and when you have a a foot injury you're going to really struggle with your cardio it's going to take him a while to get his win back even if he does get on the court after the all-star break but he's Thibodeau said he's feeling positive about where Robinson is and so look if you can get him back and even if he can give you you know 10 minutes off the bench that's an impactful 10 minutes. Oh, yeah, and that's, right. you know, that's something that obviously they would sign up for. I don't, I mean, I don't think they're out of the woods there, but uh, so far so good, I think, on Mitchell Robinson, given what Thibodeau said the other day. What about Julius? Mm-hmm. This whole thing feels very, very mysterious. Mm-hmm. Mysterious. Like, if he has surgery, that's it. Like, that wipes him out for the season. Is that fair to say that if he opts yeah. for that, he's done? I'm not a doctor, but yeah, I would I would think so. So what are we hearing rumblings at all about what they think is going on? Because what was odd to me was he gets hurt on Saturday. There's nothing for a few days. You had the great reporting of there's some optimism, mm-hmm. but now we got oh we'll reevaluate him in a few weeks. Like what do we think is actually going on with Julius right now? Yeah, so I I mean, I know that when they did the announcement, the plan was for him to rehab for two to three weeks, then reevaluate and see where he got to that point. And he and the team would make a decision on the next steps. But what I'd heard a little bit more recently was there's been some, some positive progress there during this rehab process. I don't know if that leaves 
us with an answer about whether he's definitely coming back or he could still have surgery. That I'm not sure on, but I know there were some uh, the steps in the right direction. And, you know, a couple of people internally, they said that they're optimistic still to this point. And also that uh, obviously with Julius, he's going to want to come back. And, and that's something that you've heard them say publicly, privately, uh, just the idea that he wants to get back on the court. He's going to push himself to do it. So you have that combined with a positive step or two during the rehab process. And uh, I think there is reason for some optimism to still be there. Yeah. Now to the buyout market. How how active do you expect the Knicks to be? I mean, it's interesting because if you look at the roster and you look at the rotation and kind of the minutes available, yeah, I think, what what may happen is they cut it to eight players, that rotation, and then you don't even have minutes for, say, uh, a Miles McBride. Or if they keep it where it is, you know, they're going to have to fix things with the rotation now. Yeah. So I don't know if they'd be so aggressive on the bout market because, like, a guy like Kyle Lowry, he's going to want to play. Like, he's not going to want to sign with a team where he could just be on the bench again – on the bench, rather. And so – you, you entice these guys with playing time. Now the Knicks are going to have some money to spend because they do have their biennial exception available so they can outspend some teams that don't have that. But I don't think they can sincerely offer playoff, uh, excuse me, minutes to these veterans who may become available. Interesting. Um, Kyle Lowry, I just assume, ends up in Philly. That's like just been yeah. my assumption that that's where he ends up. Spencer Dinwiddie, yeah. it sounds like, California. If they pursued someone in the buyout market, is it likelier to be a backup big until Mitch is ready, or would it be kind of a ball-handling guard? You know, I, I guess I guess ball-handling guard, be only, and I only say that because there's no traditional point guard behind uh, Jalen Brunson. But, you know, obviously Alec Burks can handle the ball. Miles McBride can handle the ball. But I think he's better off the ball as a shooter. Uh, so I think maybe if they did something, it would be a ball handler. But, I, Evan, I just can't see, like, a veteran. Unless that veteran has no other options, no better option, I can't see a veteran coming here with the idea that he'd be out of the rotation unless somebody gets hurt. What's going to happen tonight with Jalen? Is it planning to be, like, warm up, see how he feels? Uh, how does it play out with Brunson tonight? That's usually what they do. I mean, we'll find out from Thibodeau uh, in about five minutes. That's usually the protocol. I mean, in the immediate aftermath of that injury, I was told that they didn't. They thought he avoided anything serious, and that aligns with him being questionable for this game. So I don't think he's going to miss more than a couple games if he misses tonight, and then he misses the Indiana game this weekend. I would like people expect him to be back before the all-star break. So barring something unforeseen, I think it'll be days and not weeks for Jalen Brunson. Yeah. And I think the other thing that follows up to that, Ian, is if he is back in some capacity, let's say he misses a game or two, should he play in the all-star game? Like, should he participate or should he rest? It's a great question. I don't know if you guys remember this, but Carmelo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was facing surgery. Right. And uh, he got on the court and played. And I guess there were some, I don't know, maybe there was business involved and he needed to be on the floor. And then he had the surgery. So that was that was a little bizarre. I, don't, I think that Brunson, just from what I heard, I don't even think it'll be a, a decision that they need to make. Uh, again, maybe he woke up the next morning and it was worse than I was told that night. And maybe they do have to make that decision. You know, if they do, I would 
be pretty confident in, in saying that they would err on the side of caution. Mm-hmm. But Tiki, I don't even think they're going to get there. I think yeah. that he'd be good to go, uh, you know, before the All Star break. So yeah, I'm going to load up right now. It's going to be a very, very loaded question. Why oh, are the yeah. Why are the Brooklyn <laughs> Nets a rudderless, pathetic franchise? <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. Uh, right. I, I I could say one thing about the Nets, and I don't I don't want to go too deep into the the weeds because I'm not entirely sure. But you know, some some players in that locker room are just frustrated with how things have gone. Uh, you know, again with without getting into the specifics of it, just frustrated with how things have gone, kind of game to game overall, and and players who are, are still there right now so i think the players those players at least share your frustration evan but if you look at this thing in a big picture sense right like it's clear that they're trying to keep the deck uh available for a star whether it's donovan mitchell or somebody else they you know they have the picks um the tradable assets they still have dorian finney smith and they have other guys who they can trade so i think that's kind of the ultimate play here because I can't see a world where Joe Sy signs off on Sean Marks doing a, a full rebuild based on, you know, where he is in his uh, leadership role and based on how things are going. Can't see it. So I think the play is to try to be uh, competitive as quickly as you can. And it's good for them yeah. that they haven't failed Ridges. I mean, he's a, he's a young player talented player, yeah. and it's just about the next move. And I'm seething. Not at you, but I'm seething. <laughs> uh, Ian, we appreciate it. We know it's been a very busy day. Thank you very much for giving us some time. We appreciate it. Thank you, Ian. My pleasure, fellas. Thank Take you, care. Man. Ian Begley, SNY's digital NBA show, The Putback. You should check it out. Covers the NBA for SNY. I'm going to try to say this very, very calmly. <laughs> very, very calmly. What do you want? You want a stripped-down rebuild? I want a direction. Tiki, I want an actual direction. And here's what I know, and I hope this makes you guys smile. I hope it makes you happy. Do you remember, Nick fans, when you were a rudderless mess of a franchise Mm -hmm. and you had an owner that said, well, we can't tear it down. We can't do that. Remember how pathetic you were? LOL, Nick. Remember how hopeless you felt? Hi. How's it going? (laughs) The Nets still in the league. That's the Nets. I said something a year and a half ago, and it aged very, very well, unfortunately for me. Joe Sy is a terrible owner. He is an atrocious owner. And why? luckily for Joe. Why, why is he a terrible owner? I mean, you really want me to give you a list? he can't make a decision? You want me to give you a list? Because he can't put a direction in front of us that makes sense? That's right now the reason why he's a terrible owner, yes. Mm-hmm. I have about 150 reasons, but I'm not going to bore people with it. But luckily for Joe Sy, he owns the Nets, so no one's going to call him out on it. But I will. You run a just ridiculously awful franchise. And you know what? You better kiss my ass because I'm the only guy that's paying money to walk into your building when this mess gets even worse. Because you need to pick a side. You can't just sit here and say, let's trade Royce O'Neal for two number twos and let's flip Spencer Dinwiddie for Dennis Schroeder. What's your plan, Joe? Two number twos. Two number twos! Those are exciting. What's your plan, Sean? And here's the good news. You got a schmuck like me walking into your building every night, giving you my money. I'm an idiot. But the rest of this city that wants to watch competent basketball, that can't afford to go to Madison Square Garden, they're going to realize it ain't even worth going to Barclays Center. And that's still in the league. So do me a favor over the next few months before June rolls around. I want you both, Sean and Joe, and I say this respectfully, as respectfully as I can. <laughs> I want you to get your heads out of your asses and figure out a game plan with this decrepit franchise. Because you're a rudderless mess. And that's all I've got to say about that for now. Because I don't want to bore the audience to tears. Thank you, Forrest Gump. You're welcome. 
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.